Yeah, you know what? I'll do. I'll try it with Steven Universe. Yeah, he'll have a belly button wormhole or something. Like who knows? Don't don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? To the Lynch Christ. dimension. Welcome to the well played DLC podcast episode 131. Wow, boys, it was every bit as awkward as I thought it would be, and also <laughs> so much more. <laughs> And to think that was our first take. You wouldn't believe it, would you? <laughs> People won't believe it. They'll say it's editing. But no, that was our first take. <laughs> it, it was editing. Haters we... will say it's photoshopped. Mm. <laughs> oh, Lord. How are we, boys? How are we feeling? Ah, not bad, eh? So happy to see you, Adam. How are you? I'm quite well, mate. I'm quite well. We are... We're Zachless this weekend, but we've been joined by an Ash Whaling. How are you, mate? Very good. Yeah, you got a gross simulacrum to stand in for Zach today. The part of Zach will be played by Ash Whaling in this podcast. If you can just, um, if you could be drinking some Pasito or have some shit opinions, it would make us all feel a so bit So anyway, more today's home. first topic is going to be home front. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any uh, oak Perfect. milk reviews for us? Uh... Let's say yes. I actually had one of the oak, one of the fantails ones. And I'm sure that's, had one. I can see that working. How did it, how'd it go? How'd it go down? It was like just chalky caramel. I mean, it was fine. I mean, that's why yeah. I know it's not a Zach thing because he'd be into sort of like, you know, pineapple and dog poo flavor or something. I don't know. Whatever. I'm, I'm just, I'm just waiting for Zach to just like one day be like, so I found like, you know, cum flavored oak milk. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I suspect our dearly and departed uh, master in chief is something of an aniseed fan. Ah, oh, definitely. Yeah. I reckon he's into he's to Dutch closeted. licorice. He likes that. Oh, absolutely. The super super salty bullshit that no one actually likes. I reckon he's all over it. Like, yeah, it's brilliant. It has subtitles. That it's Dutch. <laughs> I had salted licorice when I was younger, and I remember that all my friends were eating it, and I ate it because I thought it was a cool thing to do, even though it was awful. That yeah. was my experience with peer pressure. Yeah, I definitely had that myself. <laughs> uh, who knows? I think Man. maybe our parents led us astray there at one point. But uh, Jordan Garcia, welcome on down. What's new in your neck of the woods? Uh, I sleep at normal times now. I finally fixed my sleeping schedule. Ah, the weekly sleep schedule update. Yeah. He's done it. So I don't what? go to bed at 9am anymore. I go to bed at 9pm. What's your secret? Uh, I don't sleep for three days and then I'm so tired that I pass out. Ah, so you just do like a hard reset? Yep. Do you know what they call (laughs) that? It does the job. They call that, down in Tasmania, they call that methamphetamine, mate. (laughs) Ah, yes. Well, I have Latino, it is the family business. The family business. (laughs) Gus Spring over here. (laughs) Well. Oh, that caught me off guard. I'm absolutely tickled to have uh, you folks with us here tonight and our lovely listeners. So let's kick off with perhaps maybe a little bit of the games we've been playing over the week that has been. 
So I guess we will start with Mr. Jordan, who's been so hard at work on his sleeping pattern. I'm sure he's had a little game or two to help him along on the way. What have you been playing uh, on, mate? So I've been playing a, a little preview for a, a WoW Dragonflight called Guild Wars 2. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, look, I, I'm glad you brought that up. So, look, I, I'm sure Ash and yourself might be able to weigh in here very quickly on this, but I do see some brief discussion about uh, flight mechanics in oh, the... No. So, so I don't know anything about this, and I'm sure you folks do. What What is this little bit of furor here around uh, World of Warcraft supposedly reintroducing some kind of new or improved flight system that might be borrowed from some other game? So does does the Guild Wars advocate get to explain it, or does the World no, of Warcraft I have no advocate idea. explain it? I'll let the World away. of Warcraft advocate explain it. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in here from a from a learned perspective. So World of Warcraft Dragonflight's hot new feature is that they're going to be introducing dynamic flight, not static flight. Static flight yep. being that you know you just sort of go up and down, left, right, and you don't. There's no momentum. There's no inertia. You just sort of hover. Oh, of course. Yep. Okay. Yeah. In World of Warcraft Dragonflight, the dynamic flying is that there's actually going to be momentum. You're actually going to sort of lose altitude. You can sort of do like dips down and then go up. There's just one issue. That's exactly how it works in Guild Wars 2. <laughs> I didn't know that. And I've played Guild yeah. Wars 2 yeah. for the longest time. Maybe I didn't unlock flying. That could be my issue. Yeah, so the, the flying amounts in Guild Wars 2 are hidden. Because they don't want to have it be uh, like a mandatory mount because then they have to design the world around flying and they rather no. you be on the ground and appreciating all the level design and stuff it's like that. It's almost like free flight actually hurts MMOs. Who yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and look, to be fair, as I remember, Guild Wars 2, sort of its its little zones are, set, uh, you know, relatively small. They're cordoned off as opposed to um, Warcraft. The early world. areas are, the path of fire areas where mounts got introduced uh, are a little more bloated, as is the consequence bloated. of adding mounts. Bloated. Um because, you know, you, you can't just have those smaller condensed areas and then have a mount that gets through them in 10 seconds. Not to mention it's... that there's, like, literal platforming sections that the ability to just get on a mount and fly, which is completely... Oh, so they, they, you know, a lot of those jumping puzzles, they re- reduce, uh, restrict the ability to use your mount. I thought so. They, exactly. just, they just take it away. So, and... yeah, the flight system is so unbelievably similar that, honestly, within the 24 hours after Dragonflight was announced... Somebody posted a clip of somebody flying on a red dragon in Guild Wars 2 to the World of Warcraft subreddit, simply titled, The New Flying Looks Awesome. Here's the kicker. Most of the comments were, wow, that looks so cool. I can't wait to play Dragonflight. (laughs) Until finally somebody said, that's Guild Wars 2 from two years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Look. Mm. I think this makes me want to play Guild Wars 2 more than it does WoW, because if that is all that is getting headlines about Dragonflight, I don't know. There's other headlines, I, I, I but just, the, this is the one the, that got copied from Guild Wars. Ah, I, I think the difference between Guild Wars and WoW with doing it is WoW is making it front and center, which is fine, whereas that, Guild mm. Wars is making it something extra for you to do. Yeah. yeah. You can read more about it in my interview with the WoW Dragonflight developers. Oh, Good plug, very good plug. And, and that's something I'll need to follow up with myself rather than spend more time getting what's already been written down here already. One Ooh. note, one note just on that quickly. Oh, please. World of Warcraft uh, expansions are developed up to six years in advance. So when it comes down mm-hmm. to the argument of who stole what, it's hard to pinpoint. 
because I think somebody looked into it and I think that kind of flying appeared in Guild Wars not six years ago, but at the same time, uh, does it mean that uh, World of Warcraft had it six years ago? I'd say close to six years ago. Path of Fire was, what, 2017? Mm. Um, I, I, I definitely, you know, I don't see a problem, even if it was taken from it. I, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, I think the big on... issue is how similar the visual effects are. Yeah, but that's fine, honestly. Yeah. How 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 many ways are there to indicate something's going fast than having like motion blur at the edge of your screen and zoomy lines? Come on, come on now. Yeah, I think yeah, that's like... most. I, I think that's absolutely reasonable. I mean, yeah, yeah. Look, Adam, the week that has been. Where have you been? Have you been good? What have you been up to? Playing much? Have Look, you been good? Yeah, he's a I've, naughty boy. Uh... Always been good, mate. Always. That's that's how I do. Um, as far as what I've been playing, we'll get to the the main topic in a short moment. But outside of the, the usual Apex and a little bit of this, little bit of that, I decided, because it was free, to give Vampire, Vampire? Vampire the Masquerade Blood Hunt a go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's that we bragged on awful. before. Yeah. I've, I've actually heard pretty good things about mm. it. Its biggest problem is, honestly, it's just small player verse. Yeah, like you, you sit in the lobby for a, a very long time for yeah. a free game it's that just, just got dropped on the store. Wait, it's that free? Just launched. And it's got matchmaking yeah. issues? Yeah, like it's wow. it's pretty dead. But I tell you what, once you actually get into a game, the mechanics are fairly solid. It's and I had dead. a pretty good time. Undead vampires. I, oh, 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 oh. Uh, oddly enough, though, the, the most fun that my mates and I did have was waiting in the lobby and seeing who could jump off uh, a small balcony, the furthest. So, oh, so you know, it's, one of, it's one of those cool lobbies where there's actually in-world? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're right. in like a, a big cathedral and there's lots to do. So we kind of had a, a decent <laughs> amount of time, decently good time fucking well, the, around the with that. The game starts and you're like, oh, no, we're enjoying Yeah, that. pretty much. We were like, oh, but I was just about to beat your furthest job. But yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's a surprisingly not shit experience, being that my expectations were as far down as possible. I've so, only seen... Yeah. A tiny snippet of footage, but it's pretty interesting. I would, I'd recommend if you have a, a free afternoon, give it a download and give it a whack. I mean, it's free. You're not missing out on anything. You're not going to have to. Just cost you time. Pretty much. Which I mean, you're a bit time poor. You are a dad, so mm. understandable. Oy. Double dad. But I know the old, the old double D. But uh, yeah, it's surprisingly not too bad. But that's uh, that's pretty much it for me this week. The old double D. What about you, Nathan? What a, what a <laughs> the old double D. <laughs> thought that would skate by. But what are you up to, Nathan? What have you been playing this week, mate? Look, um, probably one of the lesser impressive in the 2022 inaugural uh, Lobbies of the Year Award, Apex Legends does not have a good lobby. In, as, as opposed to what you've just described I've just mm. installed it with the new season Trying to sort of get into it for the first time And I'm, I'm playing on PC I've got cross cross play set on But because I have, I'm I'm new And I haven't unlocked the modes I'm not leveled up enough or anything like that I've pretty much only got the opportunity To get into I think one um, map or match type Maybe I'm, I'm mistaken here In duos and trios but I'm in the lobby forever. Like, I'm talking five, ten minutes, like, before I get into anything. And I'm assuming yeah. it's simply because I'm new. Uh, it's just not having a good time matchmaking me with regular players, perhaps. So the, 
the matchmaking struggling to find other new players for yeah, you to I, be victim by or victimized. I, I'm expecting that that's all that is because this is right at the start of a new season, something, and this is the perfect time. In the event that I do finally get in, and it needs to be before midnight on a weeknight because, you know, Australians are very well behaved and conservative, always in bed for a good hour. <laughs> uh, I, I can. I can get in. I can have. Uh, a blast for five minutes before I come to a very quick halt and get put down and my entire team wiped. But I think that's also what I quite like about it. There's very little downtime. You finally get into a game, you zip in, you're in the middle of the action, you die, you jump straight into your next match. And and I think that's where I always have the most fun with Battle Royales and probably the reason why I love PUBG. Because PUBG spend a lot of time just crawling from A to B, and I like that as well, but in a different... um, different time different context so apex legends fast and furious like that a lot but just let me get to level 10 or whatever it is so i can actually play with people that would be good on the other hand i've been i finished up with triangle strategy so as i've mentioned before my i think my genre of choice when it comes to video games is tactical rpgs particularly of the old school varieties like final fantasy tactics and secret or however that one's called tactics so this is uh, absolutely up that alley. It's definitely a lot more approachable than a game like Fire Emblem because there's no sort of permadeath with your units. And it's a very tight challenge. So I like that its entire challenge is built around the fact that you do have this roster of characters that aren't going anywhere. And it's completely reliant upon you getting to know how to use all those little units with all their unique attributes effectively. So in a way, it sort of becomes a bit of a puzzle later on in how you effectively utilize those different units. But I had a blast with it. It's highly replayable, so I'll put it on the shelf. I'll come back to it again in maybe six months or so, but that one's definitely one of my faves for the year. That has been my week outside of work, socializing, etc., which brings us to our last wrap-up of the week that has been our lovely guest this week. Ash, what have you been playing? Boys, girls, and everybody in between, I too have been playing super hardcore shoot 'em up games and violent things. <gasps> That's a lie. I've been playing Kirby Forgotten Land. <gasps> what a good time. <laughs> it is such a good time. Uh, my daughter is absolutely enamored with it to the point where she will just tell people randomly in the street all about particular boss fights <laughs> in the game and they have no <laughs> idea what she's talking about. Um, Excellent. Her grandmother came to visit us the other day for dinner and she goes, Nanny, I've got a new friend. And I was like, oh, okay, this will be good. She goes, his name is Silly Armadillo. And he spins around and he breaks the floor and he makes things out of paper. And being a good grandmother, she smiles, she yeah. nods. Hmm. And then she sort of gives the puzzled look to like Juanita and Juanita's like, I don't, I don't know. And then I'm just like, it's a boss in Kirby called Silly Armadillo. <laughs> and uh, she absolutely loves it. She can t- tell you the entire formula of the game. You save the Waddledees, the Waddledees build the town. And then you can get upgrades and you can make cool hats and do cool things. Oh, it's a crack up. I think she's into it more than I am, but I just her enthusiasm is infectious and makes me want to play it as much as possible. Uh, and sorry, how, how old did you say your daughter is? She's three. She's three, and she's uh, pretty pretty accustomed to the design of this Kirby game in a way that might make the critics hiss. But I like that. It's good. Yeah, she's like she loves the idea that the whole game is just saving poor dudes locked up in cages. Because it's 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 the quintessential being a good guy is rescuing little furry animal things in most cases. 
it's going to teach some very challenging values for living in the Australian context. What, um, don't help someone unless they're in a cage? If they're in a cage, uh, we should, you know, probably drag their whole family along as well. You know, how dare you come here on a boat? I think the main lesson she'll take away from it is don't trust a penguin who's holding a massive hammer. That's a life lesson that That's everyone. That's true. I don't trust Scott Morrison. Only someone had told the Batman. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. When when everyone else is vampiring or apexing or Elden ringing, I'm just over here going, "Yeah, ride that star, Kirby." Such a good time. I'm I'm very much with you. Really, really delighted and looking forward to getting my hands on that. Probably in the second half of this year. I've not yet uh, tackled this Kirby, but it looks like an absolute pleasure. And it's look- eleven out of ten. Well played. Don't typically go that far. That is possibly a goat e game of. I know. Obviously, e. I didn't get to review that one. <sighs> Bummer. Um, and, and and I quickly see that uh, Kirby sixty four is coming to the Nintendo Switch. I mean, that's probably news for later. But I did think that was really neat because I never played the sixty four version. I couldn't find a copy. I think it came did out at the end the, of the sixty four's uh, lifespan. Did you play the sixty three other games? The, six, the other 63 Kirby's, big fan of the other 63 Nightmare and Dreamlands. Classics, all of them. Don't have a favourite. It's just consistently good. Well, fellas, shall we shall we hit up our main topic for the week? Shall we get Ashy Slashy with it? Oh, oh, what a segue. The master of the segue. Yeah, let's do it. Take it away, big boy. So, Ash, you and I have been not together no. because for, for some reason that hasn't happened yet, but we've independently been playing some Evil Dead The Game. We have. Which has, in my humble opinion, been a little bit of a blast. But yeah, for those who maybe aren't aware, it's one of those online asymmetric multiplayer games uh, akin to the Friday the 13th, Dead by Daylight and Predator Hunting Grounds. It's becoming a so, bit of a genre, isn't it? Absolutely. It is. It it yeah. straight up is a genre that's almost exclusively horror-based. Yeah. I don't think I've seen any other... Like, Evolve is even, like, horror-adjacent, kind of. I suppose. Um, but, yeah, so one person plays as the the Kandarian demon, which is a little bit harder to explain of a, of a character, but we'll get to that in a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other four players play as survivors for their, uh, a variety of different characters from the, the Evil Dead games and mm-hmm. three different versions of the main man, of Ash, Ash himself. Yeah. The person I like to lie to people and say is, yeah, I'm named after him. I'm not, I but I'll lie about it. <laughs> <laughs> you had me I thought you were... Uh, I thought you were named after Ash Ketchum. Ash Ketchum? You mean the, the yeah. Pokemon property that came out seven years after I've been born? But yeah, yeah, I'm named after him as well. Well, yeah, you yeah, were retroactively named. Exactly. Precisely. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm named after all the cool him. Ashes. There's tons of them. I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if you're playing as the survivors, you have to go around and collect map pieces. Yep. And that will lead you to the Kandarian Dagger and the Necronomicon, Ages which is the greatest... the Necronomicon, the book of the dead. Greatest name for a book ever, I think we can all agree. Oh, um, yeah. But, but yeah, you need to find these two artifacts um, and then face the Dark Ones, which are yep. just kind of like a collection of hooded robes that shoot little balls of energy at you, yep. um, which is a time. Uh, you need to destroy them, destroy the Necronomicon, and you win. Fantastic. Yeah. Which, I mean, Easy enough done. sounds like a very straightforward process, but obviously the moment-to-moment gameplay is that there is a 
demons coming at you. There is a fear meter that rises and impacts the environment around you. There's obviously the pages of the map and such are not simple to find. You sort of got to work together and look for it. There's, there's four survivors working in tandem to try and get places and do these things. And the actual impact of the of the demon player against you is hilarious because as your fear gets higher and as things get more crazy and weird, at one point, a tree reached out and slapped me. That was the thing. <laughs> That was fantastic. Good. That sounds very uh, dark. That, I'm glad that all it did was slap you. It was just a normal hey tree until I got close enough and then it went, wapa. Then, uh, but what yeah, else? The, 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 the other side of it, the, the Kandarian demon, the, the role that that player has is a little bit different to what you might expect if you've played Friday the 13th or Predator. That kind of has. You are just a big hulking mass of muscle you and are terror. Scary monster. But in this, you're a bit more like the dungeon master in a D&D game, aren't you? You are. And you know what? It's pretty exhilarating. So mm-hmm. you just kind of float around the map and you can zip around and you're very quick. You're just kind of an entity that can uh, set traps for the players. They can summon demons and in you can possess things like you can possess a car and just the, the the headlights turn red and you can just shit whip into the players and, and kill them. Um, you, like Ash said, you can possess trees or you can possess the demons and directly take control of them and do like melee combat and, and everything and you get a bit of a buff. Um, but yeah, as, as Ash was saying, you kind of orchestrate the horror and it's, it's a nice little twist. Like I was kind of expecting when they first announced it, you just play as like evil Ash from Army of Darkness and you just kind of waltz around with a big sword or one of the the beefier deadites and you just kind of, you know, look menacing and, and hit them. But it's it's a bit more layered than that and it takes a little bit more skill and a bit more getting used to. And I think the maybe the barrier to entry is a little bit higher because you have to learn a little bit more. But on the flip side, I think it's more rewarding and it creates more of a horror atmosphere because... You can, and when you, you're going through the environment, you still have somewhat of a physical presence. So you can like, if you go through a fence, the fence just fucking explodes. So it gives you little, little subtle clues that you're about. So if you're walking as a survivor and a, a fence just gets absolutely destroyed, you're like, oh shit, they're here. This, things are going to start to happen. And the, the music swells and your fear starts to rise. And all of these little things combine to make... Ash, I, you probably agree. A pretty, a pretty great and entertaining little horror experience, I well, would say. With the, these particular games, this very strange emergent genre of '90s pseudo horror film esque experience that turns into asymmetric multiplayer game, um, atmosphere plays a big part. And like you know, it's one thing in like you know Friday the Thirteenth when you're playing as Jason Voorhees and you're stomping around. You've got sort of like you know localized voice chat and you start, you know calling people nerds or whatever before you kill them or you know you're playing <laughs> dead by daylight and people are flaming in chat or whatever um the atmosphere in this game is a much more different sort of tangible thing to play with like I, I, when i played it i did the the bare bones of the tutorial and then i jumped into a game against an ai i figured you know what i'm not going to ruin anyone's day i'm gonna i'm gonna learn by doing and i was just blown away by it. like the kind of stuff that was going on that i did not expect like that like i said the tree slap uh, I was heading, I was sticking together with people. Some dude had an aura item that was showing like a line on the ground. I thought, okay, that probably tells me staying near him's a good idea. I walked away for a second. I just thought, oh, there's a there's a house over there. Nobody's checked. I might go have a look at it. 
my fear meter starts going up. I hear horrible laughing in like the darkness and growls. And then a tree slaps me. And then <laughs> my dude, I was playing as Ash Williams from... Um, You're playing as yourself. Yeah, of course, I'm playing as myself. Playing as Ash Williams. And I hear him start... He's freaking out. So he's like saying things in the Bruce Campbell voice of like, you know, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening to me. And it was affecting me. I was just like, oh God, where did my three friends go? Why did I walk away? I'm, oh no, I'm that guy in the horror movie that dies first. And then I did die first, but that came later. But either way, <laughs> the atmosphere got to me. Like, you know, I've played lots of Friday the 13th and hearing Jason's music is like, it's, it, it alerts you to what's going on and it sort of uplifts the feeling of tension but in this it's it's horrible but in a good way um so yeah just to shoot a couple of questions at yours as we narrow down our thoughts on it. this one so when we're talking about um, like the atmosphere i'm really curious about the immersion so for those that haven't seen this game if you're playing as the the survivors the humans or, or however they're labeled or even, uh, here's, here's a question. Have either of you actually had a chance to go hands-on with the the entity? Yes. The Pandarian yes. demon. I haven't, but Adam obviously Yeah, has. excellent. So between these two factions, is the viewpoint a third person or a first person? So while you're floating around just kind of as the, the all-seeing entity, you're in a first-person view. Uh, and you just kind of dart around the environment. Uh, if obviously, if you possess something, whether that be a car, a demon, or a player, which you can do if they're freaking the fuck out, yep. if their uh, if their sanity or if their sorry their fear gets too high, you can possess them and then turn them against uh, the the other players. Or if you're a dickhead like one of my friends that I was playing with, he possesses you, just shoots off into the distance to use all of your ammo, <laughs> and then just gives you your body back, which oh. is. A real fun dickhead move. Oh, wow. That is um, brilliant. Yeah, it's great. It literally, he didn't go after anyone else. He just stood there and shot shotgun shell after shotgun shell into the ground and then went, there you go. You can have him back now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you're in third person in those moments if you're actively taking uh, taking control of a character or a character model even. Uh, but otherwise, you're in first person and you're, you're kind of, it's those, it's, it's like in the Predator movies, you know, when you're seeing from the the point of view of the Predator and it has all of the the kind of the sound effects to, to let you know that it's an alien and it's seeing through their eyes and it's kind of fisheye lens mm. and you're seeing through the, the trees. It's that kind of feel to it. Ooh. Uh, and one thing that I'm always curious about with these kind of as- asymmetrical experiences is... Sometimes the the joy of the experience can be particularly weighted towards towards one faction or one element of the game. So it could be the uh, the sort of the the entity in this case. So how how do you find the the balance of the experience between these two these two sides, the survivors and the entity? Is there definitely a, a preference or a want to play one over the other, or it's fairly balanced in terms of enjoyment? I think the thing that I like is that. For the demon, the demon grows in power over the duration of the game. Bit like so, like evolve, that's something or? that, not so much like, well, kind of like evolve, but also like it's literally like a level up system that gets communicated to. So like mm-hmm. it's the developer, the the survivors start off with a bit of oomph, and their big thing about development is sort of finding good weapons, good items, and sort of making sure that they're you know ready to fight things. But the demon, if if he creates enough chaos within the survivor team long enough, 
like all kinds of horrible things start coming up. Like I don't know the name of all the demons in the game yet, but I know that there's like horrible ones that split into two more demons and then they fight you and it gets pretty hairy. So balance wise, it's sort of interesting that either team is playing a completely different game, mm-hmm. but within the same environment. Yeah, I think it has, out of these asymmetric games that they've made, I've played most, if not all, of, like, the the major ones, at least. Uh, Like the ones that we've mentioned, Predator, Friday the 13th and whatnot. They all have, if you have a a really skilled player in the the role of the the one or the the scary monster, they will fucking annihilate you. Like, I've played many games of Friday the 13th where within three minutes our whole team's dead because he just knows what he's doing he is embodying jason Voorhees, and he is fucking up your council council a day this game has a very steady and nice curve to the difficulty for both both factions like if you're the demon all you can do in the in the early stages is set traps like jump scare traps or um, inhabit trees and slap ash in the face both ash williams and wailing um and and these little things that just make the the fear slightly rise and the tension slightly rise and the you know the survivors getting around taking care of deadites without a, a worry in the world but as their fear grows and as the demon's power grows the whole power dynamic shifts in the other direction where they could be summoning the boss monster so evil ash from um army of darkness so he does you know, waltz around with his giant sword and completely fuck up your day. Um, Because each of the, the there are three different, um, like, evil factions as well. There's, like, undead hillbillies, um, electrified fanged monsters, and then the army of darkness. Um, And, yeah, each of them have a boss monster that you can summon if you grow enough power. And it has just a, a really nice progression through each match. I will say there's not much variety to each match. Um, It is very much collect two items, banish the Dark Ones, and destroy the Necronomicon. There's not a great deal of variation to that. Um, that's something that these asymmetric games have really struggled with. Um, even in, like, Predator Hunting Grounds, where they tried to mix things up with the different mission objectives, they were all pretty go here, wait for 20 seconds, move on. This still suffers from that. There is still a real lack of variety in each match, but being that there's three different types of... Uh, like evil faction that you can choose from. There are, I think, six or seven different survivors that are in different classes that have different abilities. There's enough gameplay variety in that sense that I think it can be forgiven a little bit for being very samey between each game. So, yeah, if you're looking for, for something to be different every single match, maybe you won't get it, but those those little intermittent things that'll happen that just kind of arise naturally like ash getting slapped in the face by a tree it'll it'll make you want to come back and keep playing it and you you will want to have a a mix between playing as survivors and and the demon because they are very very different and just before we move on there jordan did you have any other thoughts or questions before we wrap uh, up? uh back to the the whole like uh pacing and the gameplay being a little more balanced than the other ones would you say it makes it a little bit more I guess, accessible as an experience because you're less likely to get that person that just wipes the entire lobby in 30 seconds. Yes. Yeah. It's still something you want to play the tutorial for, though, because if you jump in in dry, you're going to have a rough time. Ash, you yeah. probably 
I did the tutorial. I jumped in somewhat dry just because, you know, I thought, yeah, I've played enough of these to know what's going on. And then I realized that there is some subtleties that I wasn't aware of. But yeah, as as a Jason Voorhees player who does wipe lobbies in uh, three minutes or less, it's good to have the slow burn to encourage more of that moment-to-moment sort of player-driven gameplay. Because that's what really elevates these kind of games is that, you know, organic discovery of stuff happening. Final yep. final thoughts, gents? Um, I'm not ready to give it a score yet. I've still got to play a good amount of it before I can do that. No, but you give you score am... right now. And if, it, if the review that's on the site doesn't match, you're fine. <laughs> it's a redacted out of 10. Okay, if, it, if I see a number... Ooh, that's got if my I, attention. If I see wow. a number on the site and it doesn't just say redacted, we're going to, you know... Ah, uh, you've ruined the illusion. Uh, but no, for a game that is like uh, half a AAA cost. So it's I think it's $54.95 from memory on the on the PlayStation Store. Oh, or on that's excellent. The stores. Um, it's a bit of a steal. It really, like mechanically it makes sense. Everything feels good too, worth, worth noting. Like all of the weapons feel meaty, whether they mm. be melee or ranged weapons. So a genuine little surprise, and I'm really keen to play more because it, it definitely embodies the Evil Dead IP. Oh, so yeah. yeah. Very recommendable from what I've played. I've only played a couple of hours, but even after sitting on my robotic hand, I do say that it's groovy. groovy. Well, you've heard it here, folks. Shop smart, shop S-mart. Let's head on over to this week's big discussion topic. I say big. It's not huge. Moderate. It's moderate. It's lukewarm. It's if not... it was an open world, it would be massive and take a while to explore, much like the subject matter. <laughs> It would be, it would be a checklist I feel like I've already ticked mostly off. Let's talk about the all-new PlayStation Plus lineup announcement. So we've got some games that have been sort of announced for the revamped tiers of the PlayStation Plus catalogue. So this is where we now got the... What is it? We've got the different tiers. And I've already forgotten what they're called. So let me see here. Yes. You've got Essential, you've mm-hmm. got Extra, and then you've got Deluxe. Did Australia... Deluxe being the the one that Australia gets. Ah, that's the in-lieu of premium. That's... Thank you. Yep, that's where I got a bit stitched up. I must say, so what, what we're going to discuss here, I suspect, is probably our thoughts and feelings on some of the title offerings, if this is really going to make you want to upgrade your subscription. And I think the first thing that stands out to me is it's got a pretty good offering of maybe PS5 titles, specifically if you're new to PS5. And I think being new to the PlayStation family is probably where one of the big appeals of this comes from. Me, myself, I think I've already played through or own a lot of these titles. But what are, what are we feeling like? Have you, have you folks had a look through the list here and, and seen, like, does this rustle your jimmies tight in your jorts? Well, do we want to call a spade a spade and just say this looks a lot like, you know, what we've come to expect from something like Xbox Game Pass, but now it's in the PlayStation hands? More reasonably. Like just a big stinky list of games. Like for me, I do a lot of my browsing on my phone. And when I saw this list, the fact that I had to do a couple of goes with my finger to get through the list. I went, went, that is substantial. It took more than one or two of the finger flickies. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, being, yeah, I, I would certainly say this is not an insubstantial list. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you, you obviously want to have 
quality over quantity. I'm not someone who sees a gigantic list and goes, oh, that's great value because that's just not really the case. Like we've all seen Humble Bundles that are 300 games and, you know, 290 of them are visual novels that are in a different language and don't have English subtitles. What's wrong um, with that? <laughs> but <laughs> but in, in saying that, as far as, you know, consumers go, seeing a really big list often does mean value. Um, and I think it, it does, if, like you said, Nathan, if you're new to the, the PlayStation ecosystem, uh, it does strike a pretty good balance of there being a lot of games, but there also being quite a few quality games in there as well. And I think in the current state of not everyone being able to grab a PS5, people still really be, you know, they're looking for them and they're keen to get into that ecosystem. They probably will have a lot of new players, if not to PlayStation itself, maybe to PS5. Uh, so I think for those people, it'll be an absolute game changer to everyone here and a lot of, you know, people that are friends of the site and listeners, it probably won't be as big, but you know, there might be a, a few games here and there that, that strike your fancy. Mm. So let's, Look, let, let's have a look at this with the with the lens of what what's a big pro and a big con here. So, look, just oh, can hit... I lead? Yeah, please do. Big pro, Knack's on there. Yeah, I was Knack. waiting for that. Hey. Remember Knack? Knack, baby. Yeah, Knack, baby. Uh, big con, Knack two, not on there. It's not. It <laughs> isn't. And an even bigger con, it wasn't used as a platform to announce Knack three. <laughs> Imagine. Day and date, you can play Knack 3 on PlayStation Plus Extra. Oh maybe maybe it's a PlayStation 6 launch title. We don't know. What a missed um, opportunity. But yes, continue. But Big Pro, I mean, further to Nathan's point is the fact that there is some pretty high-impact PS5 titles in here. Like, things that I would consider to be sort of system sellers for the PS5. Things oh, that, yeah. you know, you recommend. Like, if somebody... My friend picked up his PS5 for the first time the other day, and he just said, right, what's the must-play game that's on there? And I just immediately said, Returnal. You have to play Return. <laughs> and uh, man of class, it's here. But not only is Returnal here, but Housemark's previous PS4 entry, Resigans, on here as well, which is oh, good fun. Which There's is a few such a good time, actually. It's... So mm. Matterfall is in there as well. Super That's another an absolute cracker. It's, also it's, a cracker. There's actually a really high pedigree of developers on this list for the games that have been put on here. It's because obviously the PlayStation Studios backing. I mean, yes, it means something. Yeah. Like, PlayStation yep. Studios is affiliated with development houses that are releasing really good titles. But even then, when you get down in the third-party partners, there's some really fantastic, like, titles in here that are, like, indie darlings. Things like Ashen's on there, really, really good. Hollow Knight from Team Cherry. You know, like, some some of these games have already got their cult following. They've already been picked up and already going places. But existing in this list for, you know, a pretty negligible cost for PlayStation Plus nowadays, even at the higher tiers, they're going to get discovered by new people. Like, people are going to go, oh, now I can see what all the fuss is about. And power to them. They're going to have a great time. Because, like, I'll be honest, I'm struggling to find the garbage. I was going to say that. I was absolutely going to say this. Mm. Um, regardless of if, like, whether or not Wait. you've played a lot on this list, you will be struggling to spot the turds. Wait, isn't Uncharted yep. on there? Hey, now. <laughs> wow. Uncharted. Um, but the thing is, like, even, like, for example, Team 17, Worms. Okay, the mm -hmm. Worms games. There is some filth out there. There is some really bad ones. Oh, absolutely. But there's the no three D on this team. list. There's no three D ones. The two that are on this list are absolute certified bangers. Yep. Worms World Party. 
and Worms Armageddon are both Get me on absolute the couch. top shelf. Yeah. And that's that's your couch co-op right there. Mm-hmm. Done and dusted. Uh, I, was, I was still look. It's not a it's it's not a, a negative per se. I'm still a little disheartened that we don't you know we haven't had any confirmation or word on what we're looking at regarding PS3. It's looking you know negative at this time. But I was pleased to see that at least where Adam's concerned, they were you know they were smart enough to give us no. the whole infamous library. Us it hurt or me to, those to that see can that. you know. Ugh. This is a this is a wonderfully curated list. I think in terms of mainstream appeal, I suppose I was looking a little more for something left of field, maybe Sony sort of diving into their archives and or, or looking for something that perhaps is a little bit more left of field. So I wanted to see something perhaps a little more unusual for the Western audiences. I think the closest I came to that, again, was in the PS3 list that, again, we're not having much to do with. But yeah... I, a cult title here that I've I enjoyed and I can't access anymore is Tokyo Jungle. I used to have a copy of this mm. on my uh, United States PlayStation account that for whatever reason I can't have access to anymore. And, and games like that were absolutely terrific. And, and this is what I was hanging out for, but I won't be able to tickle this. Did I see somewhere that there's going to be also the inclusion of perhaps the Ubisoft Plus service as well? Am I mixing yes, my stories? Correct. You are. No, yeah. No, the, spot on there. the so Ubisoft announced that Ubisoft Plus at some stage in the future, in its entirety, will be available on PlayStation. Wow. Um, but they're they're also bringing PlayStation, uh, PlayStation, Xbox. Oh my good lord, Ubisoft Plus Classic. <laughs> To their PlayStation oh, Plus lineup, which it's is impressive that Ubisoft is bringing Xbox Game Pass to PlayStation. <laughs> Unprecedented, <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, more or less, it's twenty-seven curated titles from Ubisoft's lineup uh, that will expand to, from what they've said, over fifty titles uh, by the end of the year. Which, I mean, they're even the the twenty-seven that they've got listed there. We've got like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Um, Far Cry 3, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which if you haven't played that, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, no, it is absolutely the best Far Cry, but, uh, Werewolves Within, which is also another social deduction banger. Um, so there are some, some pretty solid games in there as well, which Ubisoft has. Yes. You got the stick of truth and the fractured butthole pronounced correctly for our listeners. (laughs) But yeah, you know, Ubisoft has its detractors, but. You know, they, they bring out games that are widely enjo- or enjoyed by a fairly wide audience. So I think the inclusion of that in there is impressive, to say the least. Absolutely. And I think one of the big appeals for the Ubisoft Plus service for me in the past, and I'm not sure just how this will translate, but I've used it in the past to get access to day one Ubisoft titles without shelling out that heavy, you know, day one price of 100 bucks. Rather, I've just had to drop 15 and... You know, I'm playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla for the first month, loving that. So that could be a great opportunity for this service. Look, I think, yeah, as, as we established, if you're new to the ecosystem, this is a hard catalogue to argue with. In terms of negatives, cons, I look, I've got one standout con here, one gripe that struck me very, very uh, immediately, is particularly regarding the... PlayStation 2 lineup. From what I can see, a lot of it appears to be the 
remastered versions or the re-released upscaled ports, not ports, but emulations of some PS2 titles to the PS4. So the PS4 had a string of PlayStation 2 classics that were released to run on the system natively because the PlayStation 4 didn't have PS2 backwards compatibility. And it released some really interesting titles like Dark Cloud 1 and 2 and some Ape Escape Rogue Galaxy, which was a, a very niche JRPG before Nino Cooney from, uh, I think it was from that studio, Siren. So there's some good titles, but the issue that I have here is I already own all of these. I bought them all on the PS4. So at the moment, in terms of PS2 offerings, this service has nothing that we haven't seen before for PS4 owners, from what I can tell, and nothing ambitious in the PS2 space at all. I'm happy to stand corrected there. What are you folks thinking? What are, what's either either regarding the fact that there looks to be a, a fairly big absence of PS2 titles, or perhaps just negatives in general? I'm hoping that because we've talked a lot about this being something for a new PlayStation audience, I'm hoping that this because obviously this isn't the full lineup of games. They've said that eventually it's going to have over 700 titles, this, that, and the other. It and they in the blog post. Uh, they made it very clear this isn't the full lineup. Here is a snippet of what's to come. They made it blatantly obvious that that was the case. I'm hoping that this time around they announce all of the really big modern hitters to draw in eyes from those new uh, new to the platform. That, that and it then, certainly is. Mm. Yeah, and then later on down the track, close to release, or maybe just on release, all of those people that are going to subscribe to it anyway. So pretty much all of us here, all of the the people who have been with PlayStation for a really long time, they start up that subscription, they look in and they go, holy shit, there is a whole bunch of these old classic games that are really hard to get come by now or I haven't thought about in years. That's awesome. Let's get in on it. I don't think those PS2 games are as likely to shift subscriptions as the big PS4, PS5 mm. titles so I don't think that's where they want to spotlight it, at least for now on like the the debut or the unveiling of the lineup. So I think it's more likely that we'll hear more about it and hopefully get more niche titles a little bit down the track. That's me being an optimist. Um, but yeah, it's it's I can see that being a reality as well. I, I think that's a good way of reading between the lines. And I, I, I want to opt for that as well because yeah, it's... It's a very anemic little list at the moment. There's there's a few third-party yeah. titles. So, again, it's it's not the strength of this list. I think we can agree on that. But there'll be there'll be another list in the future, we hope. What do you reckon, Jordan? Is this a day-one subscription for you, my friend? Um, Yeah, I could potentially do it. Uh, the problem is I don't honestly use my PlayStation all that much nowadays. Uh, nothing against the platform. It's just, you know, not where most of my friends are and most of the games that I play. Wow. Uh... <clears throat> The, the one thing I would love for them is now that they have these offerings, and I've said it before, if they could just remove needing PlayStation Plus to play online, because I, I still think it's a bit of a silly system. Um, and now that they've, you know, added yeah. in more of a reason for the service to exist outside of you need it to play online, uh, I think the, the, the notion of it being a mandatory subscription to access the multiplayer component of a game that you purchase is becoming less and less relevant. Mm. I think I'd love, I'd love that to be the case, but I think that is the furthest thing. From oh, it is absolutely the do. furthest thing they'll, they'll do. Cause um, like you look at Xbox game pass ultimate or whatever it is. And 
despite needing the Xbox Live to play online, you don't really think about it anymore because you're getting Xbox Game Pass. It's just kind of something that you that kind of skips your mind. Well, yeah, so I it's, think it's, it's really interesting with Microsoft because they don't charge uh, to, for PC players to play online. You don't need Xbox Live Gold. They tried. It's, in, it's yeah. really Remember interesting. Remember, they tried, and the backlash was <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. absurd. Games for Windows Live, everybody. What a time. It also didn't help that Almost Games for Windows Live was just an actually terrible service on top of it. Oh, absolutely. I think my saves for... Ba- oh, my goodness. My saves for so many games would just get corrupted. I think it took me, like, four times before I finally finished Batman Arkham Asylum on PC. Mm. Painful. Oof, rough. No, I don't miss that service at all. Rest no. in death, you abomination do we have any final thoughts on this service before we jump over to the news desk where's that i'm just keen to see more let's jump over to the news (laughs) desk adam ryan step on up and tell us about what's been happening in the week over at your broadcasting station what news it's been it's it's been an interesting little week um as far as news that has happened today which isn't today for for those folks folks listening when this goes live but ah. Fall Guys has been announced to be going free to play on June 21st uh, something that I think makes a lot of sense especially considering I don't I mean I don't know this for a fact but I'd imagine the player base is probably dipping because um, it has been out for quite some time and you just don't really see or hear much from that at this stage. Um, but it's also releasing on Xbox and Switch on the same date of that June it's 21st. also Woo-hoo! going on to the Epic Store. It is, yeah, exclusively on Epic Store on PC. That's a very good point so to it, it is, um, yeah, much like Rocket League, people that own it on Steam won't lose it on Steam. You just correct, can't, you yeah, just can't yeah. get it on Steam anymore. Yeah, going forward, that's just where you're going to need to make your, your purchase if you haven't got it on, on PC yet. Or not your purchase, but your download, because, yeah, it'll yeah. be free to play. But expect to see um, plenty of little clips pop up here, there, and everywhere when people are discovering Fall Guys for the first time. Because as you as you do play it for the first time, it is fairly fun. It's yeah. the, the Takeshi's castle, but very really colourful and it? squishy. Oh, yeah. and, and, not, and not getting shit-whipped and genuinely injured. Um, but yeah, if you haven't played it, it's going to be worth jumping into when it goes free to play on June 21st. Um, something else in the free to play space is multiverses, which is Warner Bros. Like, well, let's not beat around the bush. It's the Warner Bros. Smash Brothers. It's, it's Smash. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is 100% Smash. But yeah, that got a new trailer, which it uh, reveals that Velma from Scooby-Doo, Odd Choice, is going to be in the game. Iron Giant from Iron Giant. And Taz, the Tasmanian Devil, which makes a lot of sense because I think his move set will be a whole bundle of fun because you know he's a living tornado. Um, but yeah, on top of that, there is going to be an open beta in July. So those who are keen on giving it an early test, I mean, it's going to be free to play anyway. But if you want to get in early, you'll be able to, um, as well as a closed beta that you can apply for from May twenty first to twenty eighth, I believe. Um, any of you boys at all keen on this? Any of you? I know, Jordan, you probably tickled Smash a little bit. Uh, believe it or not, I actually don't like Smash, but I am interested oh in this. Oh, my Lord. Uh, honestly, my big yeah. thing with Smash is I don't like most Nintendo properties. Um, there you go. All right, Zach, calm down. Um, but, <laughs> all yeah, no, I'll, 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 yeah, it's just, I don't enjoy it. It's fine as it You're is. just not a child anymore. Hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I can still read subtitles, but, um. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Now I'd actually be interested in giving this a go because uh, you know I grew up with Scooby Doo and they got what is it Matthew Lillard is the guy's yeah, name? Yeah, they did. Yes. Yep. Yeah, they, they yeah. got him to reprise his uh, his role as uh, as the voice actor for him in the game, which is really cool. I think I was sleeping yeah. on this until they announced Velma, and then I was like, "Wait, what?" It's because you didn't have your glasses, mate. You couldn't see. Yeah, it. no, I was just jinkies. I'm on the floor, like looking around for them because they came off. But um, <laughs> there's no. a curiosity factor to it, isn't there? Yeah, it's, oh for sure. It's like when I heard that like Phoenix Wright was going to be in Marvel versus Capcom. I was like, well, hold on. Now I'm I need sorry to see it. <laughs> yeah, that's mm, you have to show me how this works. So yeah, like you, you hear Taz, and you're like, oh yeah, that's that's chaos. That's going to happen. Iron Giant, yeah, that's wicked. That's going to happen. Velma. Yeah, I hope one of her it's moves. It's a weird one, isn't it? I hope, like you know, the equivalent of like her low crouching kick from like Mortal Kombat should be her like on her hands and knees looking for her glasses. <laughs> I think you're onto it. By accident. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it's going to have to be, isn't it? it like she's going to have 100%. to be like an absolutely ditzy. What, what I reckon it'll be is she'll find her glasses, and then she'll bend over to pick her up, pick them up, and then her butthole will become uh, a wormhole into another dimension <laughs> and suck all the other players in. <laughs> What Scooby-Doo have you been watching? <laughs> okay, first off, just to That's... correct some people here, Nathan, Yo. Velma isn't the ditzy one. You're thinking of Daphne, my friend. Oh, shit. Yes, Velma? You well, it, it, is... you're ditzy when you, she, she's ditzy when she loses her, her glasses, right? No? Is she, she, everyone she gets down on her hands and knees and goes, Jinkies, I can't find my glasses. <laughs> oh, shit. My butthole's like, turned into what'll a happen? again. <laughs> Jinkies, my butthole. But, like, she'll be, like, looking for her glasses and then, like, a trap will go over her head or something. Like, some decapitating sword will go... She'll be like, oh, thank God I found my glasses. You know, I didn't get decapitated. But, so, um, other, other than the fact that, yeah, Jordan's clearly only learned about Scooby-Doo through Rule 34. Yeah. Him, Been on Newgrounds too much, my friend. <laughs> what, what, what would be your first character for you, folks? Because I must say, the curiosity appeals too strong for me. I will check this out and I will take Harley Quinn for a spin. Really That's like, a good shout. I really like her design in the game, so yeah, I, I can respect that. What about you, Adam? I, I'm i going to be vanilla, and I can't go past my man Bats. I was going to say, it's going to be no. Batman, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be Batman. If it's a, if there's DC properties in it, i got to rep my man Bruce Wayne, so Batman's my go-to for sure. Who's voicing him? Is it is it classic? I believe so. The old Kev? Do you know? I Good believe it is. Good. I think the Conroy is in. Good. But, I, I, yeah, not 100% on that. I know that, uh, as as Jordan said, Lillard's in for, for Shaggy. But I think they're, yeah, they're throwing throwing money at the voice acting, which for a lot of these iconic characters I think is probably well, a good idea. Considering not that long ago that, like, Nickelodeon's little version of this came out and its biggest problem is that it hasn't got any voice acting. You've got these yeah, incredible... It's, it's, You've got SpongeBob fighting Nigel Thornberry and you, you don't even have him be like, Mmm, SpongeBob! Like, absolutely smashed you, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> Terrible. So, yeah, they know, they've picked up on that particular thread and said, that's one mistake we're not going to make again. All right, boys, we're still all four of us on the couch playing this. So, Nathan, who uh, are you locking as- in? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm locking Harley in. Quinn. Harley, yeah, man. Harley Quinn, Batman, I'll go Velma. All right, last last slot. Ooh, that's tough. It's sport for choice. He, he's annoyed that you took Velma. <laughs> yeah, I know. My, my butthole dimension's gone. Well, now that um, now that she's got the butthole super, I got to get, get my level three and do it. You know, you, you can just take Steven Universe and do the same thing, I, can't you? I don't know. Yeah, you know what? I'll do. I'll try it with Steven Universe. Yeah, he'll have a belly button wormhole or something. Like who knows? Don't don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? 
Jesus to the lint Christ. dimension. Ash, since you're all hot under the collar, tell us about uh, Gears of War potentially getting its own Master Chief collection. I'm actually really keen for this news. So absolutely, there's a lot of speculation going on at the moment talking about that, like, you know, Microsoft sort of is, I guess, I'm not going to call it a rut, but they are definitely in a bit of a cycle where sort of they're just releasing the same properties in a similar state. And uh, so what actually happened is that, like, there's a guy who has got, he says he's got some insider knowledge. He says he can confirm that there is a Microsoft game series getting the Master Chief Collection experience, which for those that don't know, you gather up all the games, you give them a bit of a remaster, you release them on a modern platform in a collection, off you go. Pretty good stuff. And it was it was good. Master Chief Collection was great because it, it, when it moved worked. a bunch of titles from effectively dead platforms to a modern platform and also brought them to PC. So now they're kind of timeless. Yeah. He says there is a property getting that getting that treatment and then he says, I can't say what it is, but everyone's already guessed it. Then he goes, but if you look at how Microsoft's been releasing things recently, they're releasing Halo, they're releasing Forza, and they're releasing... Oh my War. goodness, Blink's Time Sweeper collection. Oh yeah. Was there only one of that? One, <laughs> one and a half games, the cancel yeah. one. So, um, and I, I, personally, I wrote about it, when I actually put the news up, I wrote about the fact that um, it is difficult. It's a bit of a, I, I think the exact wording I used was, it's a bit of a gears of chore to try and play all those games nowadays. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I played, I've, I've played three of them all within the last decade, and it's just the first one is an absolute, like, chore under self, so the first one is, ugh. Well, and not even that, I'm just talking about it's actually difficult to play them, because Gears of War 1 got first a PC release, then it got a remaster with Gears of War Ultimate, Mm-hmm. Gears of War 2 is exclusive to the Xbox 360. It never got released anywhere else. True. So then Gears of War Judgment and Gears of War 3 are both Xbox 360 titles, but they've got backwards compatibility. Gears of War 4 came out on the Xbox One. Gears of War 5 is on the Xbox One and PC. 4's on it's PC just, as well. 4's uh, on yeah, PC, yeah. 4's yeah. on PC as well. Uh, but they're just, don't forget about any, any game from the Coalition is on PC. It's, that's Correct, how it yeah, works. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like... If because because we Gears of War Six is in development, so there's still like a there's a fan base moving forward, and either it's the same people who played on the Xbox 360 still Has like loosely be. tuning into the next experience. What happens to the people who are just getting onto the actual? Yeah, you know, franchise? There, there's like no respect. You, you for can the play a better cover shooter elsewhere. It's more that they if they if they really want to have their testosterone fueled chainsaw gun, man, they just got to watch like playthroughs on YouTube or go get an Xbox 360 in Gears of War Two. Yeah, it doesn't, as I said, having played through them all recently, don't dislike them by any means, but the significance has, has waned because there's been, it was such a phenomenon that everyone else yeah. has sort of done that formula and even done it better in some instances. So no no shit on God of uh, Gears of War. Like, obviously, it was quite formative formative for a generation. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's an but idea But do I want to run back weight. like I did with Halo? No. Like, Halo, there's still ha- depths yeah. to plumb. Halo defined a genre. Gears of War defined a storytelling aspect that was different. Like, I, I, a mechanic. I, I think something important <laughs> as well is um, like Halo defines the genre and refused to modernize with the genre in a good way. Whereas uh, a lot of the modernization on the third person genre has been universally for the better, which is yeah. what makes the Gears games feel a little more dated and sluggish to play. Look, all I'm saying is that if it gets a Master Chief Collection kind of thing, it means that I can sit on my computer in full HD and I can hear, It's a giant worm, Anya! And that's what I need in my life. Okay? That's the kind of storytelling that I'm lacking. 
Quick question. I'm sold. Quick, quick question. If if you were to replay or play any Gears game in 2022, what would it be? Is that directed two. towards me? A- anyone? I'd say two. Two is really good. Two. Two is a good choice. I played through two with a really close friend. I'd like to do it again. Yeah. For me, three. And Adam has no chuck it all in the bin and said on fire. Uh, I don't mind Gears, but I I never quite understood the, the hype that no, I've got. No. Yeah. Yeah. They've got chainsaws on their guns, Adam. Gaw. Huge. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Clearly, clearly I'm in the wrong here. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully that, that does happen. Because as you said, there's still a fan base there, whether they like the new ones or not, whether they're keen on everything in the back catalogue. I think there should, in series like that, be a place where you can play them all and on one console. Like you said, because they're so spaced out, it would be it would be good. I also think it just it just sucks when an entry to a particular story gets lost to time simply yeah. because a console has is. Well, yeah. is that a dig at Nintendo and their respect or disrespect to their legacy? Look, mate, as somebody who's playing through Kirby Lost World and going, man, I need to get other Kirby games, and realizing that I can't get ninety percent of them, yes, mm. yes, mm-hmm. it's a dig. Yeah, and, and a yeah. fair dig too. Oh, absolutely. Have we heard something regarding Dead Space? We have the uh, the devs of Dead Space or the Dead Space remake have been very vocal. They've they've been doing, I think, uh, a great job of showing the game in development, in active development. Not something I think we if see you're gonna play much, it is. It's really no, curious I'm... just how open with sharing cool stuff they are, and they're, they're the stuff they're showing. They're really proud of it. Yeah, and I think it's it's great to see because we we don't often get this behind closed doors look at active development. Like yeah. uh, once a game has been released, you know, they might show snippets of, you know, when we were developing it, this is what we were doing. Or Ed Boon 20 years later, will show some random <laughs> clip of them doing mocap or something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we don't see it very often as it's in motion, uh, which I think is really, really interesting and very cool. Yeah. Modern um, modern game dev, this kind of stuff usually has a real stink of marketing about it. Like oh, it, it has a really, a really disingenuous yeah. hype building kind of purpose behind it. But this this feels it's the developers showing off stuff that they're proud of and like actually showcasing like, hey, look at this cool thing that we've managed to do to a game that's probably deserves a bit more recognition. And it's really it's, yeah. I don't usually subscribe to it because I don't sort of buy into the pre-hype but this does it feels so genuine that i actually care and yeah the most recent live stream was more or less an hour of them talking about how important lighting is to a horror game which obviously is completely true it's key um but a lot of the a lot of the tech they were showing off was really impressive and looked very immersive but that's not the headline the headline came at the end of this hour-long live stream and it is that the dead space remake will be releasing on january I think I've got the date wrong there. I'm pretty sure it's the 27th. Let me have a quick look. It's the 27th of January next year. So realistically, not that far away to get our plasma cutters out and start hacking off limbs. And I'm very excited. I'm excited too. It does make me a little happier hearing that they spoke about lighting because it's some of the earliest stuff they showed where they showed a screenshot. Like the lighting was completely butchered to the point that it like kind of undercut the dark atmosphere of the yeah. Ishimura, which was what I had been really I th- concerned. I think that's another good byproduct of giving these developer updates because what you see 
you definitely know is in like production. Yeah, ab- it's still absolutely. So um, a work in progress. So, so I think that they're, they're only doing themselves favors ab- by doing absolutely. these live so streams. So digital extremes, the developers of Warframe do something similar where, like, once a month they'll basically what they have what they call a, a dev stream, which is what they show is in active development uh, on stream, yeah. which is really cool because they get that feedback really quickly and. The, you know, their player base is devout and they quickly go, you know, we don't think that'll be something that we'll enjoy. And so they, yeah. they rework systems long before they're actually implemented, which is such a really good thing because it's, you know, addressing a problem before it's implemented. Yeah, I think it's refreshing and something we don't see all that often. Um, getting back on the track of Xbox maybe being a little bit behind on the old release schedule, um, Bethesda has announced that Starfield and Redfall, two of probably their biggest games of 2022, are no longer games of 2022 and have been pushed back to the first half of next year. Um, So they put out an update saying that we've made the decision to delay the launches of Redfall and Starfield to the first half of 2023. The teams of Arcane Austin and Bethesda Game Studios have incredible ambitions for their games, and we want to ensure that they that you receive the best and most polished version of them, something that Bethesda is known for. Um, it's not something, I don't know about you boys, but I am awfully surprised by, especially the on the, the flip side of the Dead Space thing, the, the very small amount that we've seen of both. Mm. Um even though there, there, you know, is the Xbox showcase coming up in September, I believe, or, you know, in the, in the next, the following few months, I wasn't really expecting to get a big bombshell announcement of a release date for either of these. Um, but yeah, I suppose it's unfortunate for Xbox players, but Game Pass is there. Just play one of Maybe the... Maybe they're making room for Scalebound to get released. Oh, you Ooh. tease us. <laughs> Um, it's yeah, a absolute bastard. roundtable round question. If if we're reaching this point where big game companies are actually and openly willing to admit that we need to delay this, mm-hmm. are we seeing a flow-on effect of just so many failures that are hard to ignore finally sort of coming to rest? Oh, like, I, I, I hope yeah. so. Yeah, like is, without naming names, <clears throat> Cyberpunk, do we feel like we've finally reached a point where like larger game companies are finally starting to realise that it doesn't matter how much money you make short term, long term is where the real games are. I I, I think in the context of Bethesda, Fallout seventy six was more of a lesson about that than uh than Cyberpunk was. Yeah, in in context, I suppose. Um, I'd love to th- uh, again the optimist the optimist in me, Ash, would love to think that that's the case. Um, but then for every every time you see someone take accountability. Yeah. You have a big publisher being like, no, fuck you. We need a release date. So give us a release date and release it in whatever fashion it, yeah. it comes in. So <laughs> I'd, I'd like to... Oh, Jesus Christ. Don't even get me started. Relaunch. Yeah, I'd, like to th- I'd, li- I'd like to think that maybe there would be some trend heading that way. But I think the precedent they're setting is to release a game that's fucked and then in six to eight months show people that, hey, the game's better now, which I think yeah. is a really dangerous path to go down, but unfortunately the one it's that we're, we're skipping definitely not down. a good structure. The success stories no. are few. They are out there, but they are few. It's yeah. Just, yeah, oh. I just think it's interesting to finally reach a point where like you see headlines that says X, XYZ has been delayed. Like, and just yeah. not, not just delayed or pushed back. Like there's just times where they simply say like, you know, these are the reasons why. And like they even, it's not that like it's going to be a month late. It's going to be next year. And like, yeah. I didn't even know, I didn't see this headline 
when it initially came out. The reason I found out about it is just there was a general vibe from some of the people I talked to, and they were just bummed out. I was like, what's wrong? And they're like, there's nothing to fucking play on my Xbox! I wanted to play stuff. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. And I was like, so I might just quickly Google what's going on. I was like, oh, okay, 2023. Yeah, I get it. That's a long way away. Sorry, man. There's um, there was a great article that I, well, not a great article, a very clickbait article that I read. Uh, said that Sony has released more games on Xbox this year than Microsoft has, <laughs> and technically, technically it's true because MLB released on right. Xbox. And Microsoft hasn't published and released anything of substance. So that's just a a, a fun little tidbit. So hopefully Xbox can bring some some games to the fold. Guys, they're just the not so distant future. They're going to push Starfield and Redfall to next year because the Gears of War Master Chief Collection might be coming in November. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Master Phoenix. We'll see. (laughs) But uh, as as those two things get further away, there are two other things that are coming close together, which are the developers Criterion and Codemasters, Ooh, who are finally mm. completely folded in together um, to work on the new Need for Speed game. So that that's something that had been kind of in the works for quite some time. I know that, uh, I think it was earlier this year or last year, most of Codemasters had kind of folded into Criterion anyway. Um, but now the the last little bastion of of Codemasters of Codemasters has now folded into Criterion. They're now one entity uh, and are working towards the next Need for Speed game, which, according to old old mate Jeff Grubb, uh, is going to be on next gen only and will feature both re- or a, a mix between realistic graphics and animation. Which who the fuck knows what that's really meant to mean? An but, aesthetic that combines you know, realism and anime in okay, so cell shaded i guess it is that just be is that, that, is that when, what they're... when something cool happens maybe it's got like a real cool anime aesthetic to like really like imagine that like you crash and the entire background like becomes a singular color and then like you know what it's gonna be is like the... 1966 batman like the bow piff <laughs> the bow. Bam, like, i would love when you that, crash it's just gonna say vroom. it's just gonna say crash no no no. and, and that, when you, that's when what you start um like accelerating you just say vroom Vroom! Yeah. <laughs> okay, Just so imagine. Have you guys ever seen the anime Redline? No. Right. Do I, I know the one you're talking about. Do yourself a favor and look it up. It's one of those animes that's sort of Prime, trend. I think. Prime yeah, Video. It, it, it transcends anime and it's an art piece. It's about people racing very fast cars, but like the visuals in it are absolutely absurd. Take a look at that and then imagine some of that stuff being folded into a Neva Speed game. Now, the big question, roundtable question here is, when was the last Need for Speed game? And was it any good? Does anybody remember? It, yeah, it was Heat. It, it was, was all right. Heat. It was okay. It was fine. But that was, that was that was like 2019, wasn't it? I want to say yes. Yeah, we're not we're not getting yeah. sort of... Remember at one point, we sort of seemed to get one every 6 to 12 months. It was. We, and they did specifically say they were going to ease back. Do, do you feel like they've eased back so they can take proper control of like, first off, where the franchise is going, and secondly, hardware that's available now? Yeah, I think yes, I, I, yeah. I'd say the series needs to really, really distance itself from any kind of comparisons to like Forza Horizon. Because what's the difference yeah. the two have at the moment? Uh, the Need for Speed has coppers that chase you, like not yeah. a whole heap. Uh, and the I prefer FNB the yeah, the game aspect of Need for Speed games where they can actually sort of have proper interesting mechanics that make them feel like a gameplay experience rather than sort of the the sim side of it where you sort of it's carpool. Forza's gotcha. like carpool yeah. sometimes. Same with like Gran Turismo. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. Agree. Like just go back to things like Need for Speed Underground and stuff like that. Things that really hooked people because there was a core loop in there that people got stuck on. Really enjoyed. And but very, I, arc, like I know people, I hate this word, but arcadey. So the, the cars did not behave as any car should. <laughs> and I think that was delightful. Like these things it were was. adrift a minute. And there's nothing wrong with it. Like, we've, we've seen all kinds of franchises come out and sort of redefine what racing is in games. Need for Speed sort of had its niche, but it's become a bit muddy and hard to sort of define nowadays. So I think them taking a step back and getting a bit of breathing room, hopefully it's going to be like, it's going to be like a relaunch, do you reckon? Like, will it just come out? Will it just be Need for Speed 2023 or whatever? Yeah, they're going to do the third game that is just titled Need for Speed, and hopefully this one isn't. A failure, it's like the online one. Need. Yeah. So what was that? That was like 2014 or 2015. But um, I, yeah. I do genuinely think it's at a point now where it really, it, I, oh, not a point. That's that's a lie. It's been at a point for a while where it struggled to define itself from the competition. Look at Payback and and and, and mm. what was the other one that came out that was just a sprint run or whatever it was. I can't remember now. Need for run. Speed the Run. The Run and it was fucking dreadful. But you could see yeah. what they were trying to do and why they were doing that. And, and there's even yeah. times where they did. They went into the the sim elements with Sprint. So it's a, it's a series that struggled with its identity. Mm. Uh, what I was going to say is if they do do anything anime-esque, has anyone seen the the sort of closing panel of like a JoJo's episode? Yes. It's like to be continued. Do, you do, do it do, roundabout. Do. Yeah, so it's like if ever you'd like spin out and hit hit the barrier or something like that, you get the you get the JoJo's. You get sepia tone, you get print dots, and then just like, what happens next? Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I, I'm absolutely keen for more Need for Speed, particularly with Criterion at the wheel. No pun intended. So we'll see. Hoy, hoy, hoy. Let's go completely off track and just imagine when he says anime influences, what he actually means is that the races, there's going to be guest races, like Naruto's going to be in there. Uh, Vegeta's going to be driving a car. A Titan from Attack on Titan is going to be okay, like... Okay, but if, if it's Vegeta, can it be Dragon Ball Z or Bridge Vegeta and not... Uh, <laughs> original Vegeta? Because like I'll, Dragon I'll Ball Z it. or Bridge Vegeta would be amazing. Vegeta, Jesus. no. Vegeta, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they've, they've already done anime Need for Speed. That was, wasn't that like 20, 2011 or 2010? No, wait. Tw- 2007 <laughs> Need for Speed Canyon. It's just initial D. <laughs> oh, my running God, is this? The is the 86 in there? It's just Canyon Racing. Did they I have running remember. in the 90s? No. Oh, one oh, one would wish. Ah. Let's bring it in for the the grand finale of news this week. Something very exciting. Yeah, look, we may not be getting Batman power and biffs in Need for Speed, but we are getting Batman-flavoured games later in the year. Uh, So, Gotham... Gotham, Fuck yourself, Jordan. (laughs) Gotham Knights got a a 13-minute... Uh, gameplay, trailer, demo, whatever you want to call it, walkthrough uh, that focused on the other two playable characters that we haven't seen as much of or any of, which is Red Hood and Nightwing. Uh, Gunman and, and Stickman, I get to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if, it's, a, if it's a Mega well. Man title, that's that's their powers, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then you decapitate them and steal their powers for yourself. Um, but yeah, it shows showed off... Uh, combat and traversal and some of the mechanics and systems that made it look less interesting to me than I was hoping. Oh, uh, the combat sure. looks the combat looks fine. It looks very Batman Arkham, but not quite as refined as Batman Arkham, uh, which WB are pretty known for. They did Arkham Origins, which is still a really good game. It's a great and game. it traps it traps the best 
uh, boss fight in the Arkham series in a game that isn't as pl- isn't played by as many people. Deathstroke. Don't don't you look at me. And, I was uh, wait. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Just, mm, I was just My saying. Man. I was going to say Firebug. Is it Firebug? Nah. <laughs> I'm pretty Firefly. sure that. Firefly. Shit. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it feels like the only two people who've played Arkham Origins are in this podcast right now, and it's me and Adam. Yeah. Everyone else is like, yeah, oh, that was a side game. It was. It was actually. I think it was probably my. I enjoyed it more than City. I really liked it. Some. I really liked it, but but we are talking about Gotham Knights. So the question I have for you, Adam, is that I was avoiding this simply because I, I'm interested in this game, but its initial impressions left a lot to be desired. It had that real sort of. Yep. It looked cool, but it had that fucking live live uh, service yeah. game aesthetic, like hitting people and numbers coming out of it. There's not you don't really understand what level things are. Have we departed from that? Is it on a different path, or are we still working towards that kind of? Game? Nightwing has a Fortnite glider. There's, there's, Just there's to answer a, your question. There, there's a, a gear stat screen with a gear score. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so even though even though I hate Jordan for the comparison, it does have a bit of that Marvel's Avengers feel to it, like the live service. There's gear swapping and the progressions tied to gear and leveling up different little systems instead of just, you know, kicking the shit out of people because you're part of the Bat family. Because you are Um, the knight. But it also has, like, as far as traversal goes, because that was a big big focus of this gameplay walkthrough, there is... to outside looking in we haven't had any hands-on time or hadn't seen any real like just unedited gameplay it doesn't feel like you're gonna really explore gotham in any meaningful way so every every character has a uh, like a legacy traversal mechanic or whatever they called it um which is just more or less a way to cover a lot of ground without interacting with the city um so nightwing has his flying trapeze which sounds cool but really genuinely looks like a Fortnite glider um and red hood has it's called mystical step or something so they explained it away like he literally jumps on thin air and they explained it away by he got magical powers when he was revived by the lazarus pit um which as a as a comic reader i was like fuck yourself that's not what the lazarus pit does but i shouldn't get (laughs) as aggressive as that um he looks like but a walking yeah, garbage can. How's he going to be floating around? The, tell, the animations, the animations are rough. They're like they show you walking around in the belfry as uh, Nightwing, and he looks like he has several sticks directly up his ass. Well, it is. He has to store well, he's them hide somewhere. somewhere yeah. Yeah. He's got the best ass in DC Comics. He what does. are they doing to him? Yeah. The it's... man, the man is limber. Let him be limber. But no, nah, it. It, like it shows there is promise, mm. but it's it's dangerously treading that that line to be Marvel's Avengers. So Jordan, as much as I hate the comparison, it is pretty apt at this stage for what we've seen and what we know. So so quickly doubling back to what you said about the the legacy traversal mechanics or whatever. This isn't yep. this isn't a dig at just the game. Uh, I, I this is a point of design that I find frustrating with a lot of these style of games. If you're designing a mechanic to get around the world as fast as possible what's the point of making the world big yep i i think the the biggest the biggest issue that this game is going to have is regardless of the fact that they've said a million times that it's not set in the arkham verse the comparisons are going to come in thick and they're going to come in fast especially because wb made arkham origins which is part of the arkham verse and 
unfortunately when you compare it to the arkham games which have these brilliant worlds that are amazing to be in whether it be arkham asylum arkham city or even arkham knight like the the arkham and gotham is fucking outstanding and you want to get into the nitty-gritty the the environment is as much a character in those games as batman himself and the villains 100 percent. so yeah people are going to be coming from this pedigree of these incredible games that were made obviously by rocksteady but still sharing that world and coming under the same banner it's going to be a real bit of pill to swallow and it's 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 also really confusing sort of what's what is the aim for this game like i understand that like at some core it's always about like sort of you know making money and pushing ips in new directions and all the rest of it but like at the same time from the from the wb sort of umbrella of products we've got suicide squad being looked at as well and that seems to be ticking a lot more boxes in the sense of sort of trying to create the super villain fantasy but the superhero fantasy is this just some kind of weird cash grabby fan service for people who like batman characters to sort of you know here's something that's sort of like what you want but it isn't really what you want but we're gonna see if you like it and if you don't then it's too bad i guess that's me on the other side of the coin guard yeah look i'll give it a go yeah i tick them boxes yeah i'm unfortunately in that camp as well like I'm a, a DC diehard, so I'm going to play this game whether it it looks shit or not. If it's a kart racer, it turns out to be a kart racer. I will fucking play. <laughs> not going to lie. If, it, so, if it's yeah. a kart racer, that'll be anything... Uh, well, better than anything I was hoping it would be. But, yeah, again, I'll be optimistic because I really want it to be what I want it to be, but I don't think it will. And, yeah, I think it is... Yeah, treading some some dangerous line to to being that typical live service where people pick it up, are disappointed, and then don't go back to it, even though there's DLC coming out the wazoo. Oh. But we'll see. But in the in the the scope of news this week, that's uh that's the news desk done. That is a wrap. Well, look, my lovelies, we're fast approaching the ninety minute mark, so let's do as Zach so loves each week and move to our off topics now. I haven't, and I must ask, because it is so very topical, who's seen Doctor Strange other than... Had Adam seen it last week? We had... we had. I had seen it, it last week, mm. and then I'd proceeded to not mention that I had seen it. <laughs> ah, so we've got a couple of folks in here. Yes, introduce Absolutely. yourselves. Uh, yes, I'm Ash Whaling, Master of the Mystical Arts. You can call me Dr. Strange. Oh, Dr. Strange. Do you approve of your new representation on screen? Do you like it? I, look, (laughs) I quite enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it for all the wrong reasons, though. Like, I sort of walked out of that film going, yes, Sam Raimi, and then went, oh, that's right, it's a Marvel film. (laughs) I'm I'm keen to have that experience. Uh, And look, uh, for for, for those listening that haven't made the connection, Sam Raimi is a name that you should know by the end of this podcast. He is the man who bought us the Evil Dead. Yes, correct. He and Bruce Campbell are very close friends. Uh... Sam Raimi also did a little bit of the Spider Manning for Sony back in the day as well. One, and, two, uh, and three. Pizza absolutely. Time. And now here he is doing his full on cinematic Marvel, uh, you know, MCU go around. And mate, the dude just absolutely loves ridiculous music. He loves absurd angles. Like, just, you watch half the movie tilting your head just to yeah. sort of go, oh, yeah. And he's got, he's got Dutch angles, and then he's got Nepalese angles, and then he's just got acute angles 
And then every I now and then you sort angles. of go, you go, what? I love cutie angles. And then you go, what on earth is going on with the score? And then you realize that the music's part of the scene, like properly part of the scene. And you're like, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> feast. And like, my, I went to see it with my brother-in-law and he came out and went, that was so weird. And I was like, yes, yes, it was. You could almost say it was strange oh he went there <laughs> <laughs> i'm worry, very I'll, excited I'll... based on that because as, as from as soon as i heard seeing ray Mule was at the helm i was like good this is going to be the weirdness that i want mm. if you haven't seen the evil dead one two or army of darkness or even the series ash vs evil dead I strongly would rate pretty much all of them except maybe the first film. I think that one maybe age a bit dodgy. You'd probably go watch the remake from um, Fidei Estevez or whatever his name is. I like the remake a lot. But bloody, 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 bloody movies. And then to see him direct Doctor Strange is quite the shift. I I guess you got that with Spider-Man as well. They're not as gory, perhaps. I'm really surprised. that did, Did Doctor Strange get away with a PG rating? It, it was for us. It was M. America. Yeah, it was, it was M for PG-13. us. Even still, mm, it, it was it, it toes the line, though, man. Ooh, that I, I think genuinely. Yeah. I, I've seen so many discussions pushing... about like, is it PG or is it R? We don't know. Yeah, uh, that's just America. They got a very. It depends on context. <laughs> it depends on what do you define? Well, like you know, if somebody gets maimed, but you don't really see it, did they actually get maimed? That's a good oh, Sam Raimi thing. He did tra- that in tra- Spider-Man. Is meaning. Uh, Sp- Spider-Man 2 had a particularly grisly scene with Dr. Ock in a surgery room, absolutely mm, yes. whipping people. And I remember yeah. having to close my eyes in the cinema, and it was very implied, but effective. Yeah. Yes. There are scenes in Doctor Strange that are still implied, but maybe a little less implied and maybe a little bit more visual. I think he's managed there, to it- find how to do overtly implied (laughs) there is there was one particular scene that i gave like i went to see it by myself key had no interest in seeing it she hadn't watched wandavision she knew Ah, wanda was in it so she was like it's really not going to be for me there was one moment in the scene where i audibly gasped at something because i was like oh shit that was a little bit unexpected which ash i'll i'll uh convene with you post podcast to avoid spoilers Yes, it did. Okay. I already know um, it is because that okay. film's been spoiled to fucking back. That's yeah, unfortunate. It but is a shame. what I what I like is it stands out from every other MCU film. Yeah. And I don't think there are many MCU movies that you can say that. You can say it about Thor Ragnarok because it's Absolutely. directed by Taika Waititi and he's an absolute genius. The Eternals. But I in think its own the way is very left of field. Yeah. It is in probably a, a different ways, way, but, but it's unique. Mm. yeah but i think the 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 best mcu films currently are the ones that feel different yeah and if there is one series of films that is going to do that consistently and have a different um feel even different themes i think it should be dr strange because he is Mm. that character that is into the the mystic arts and everything is kind of off the wall and especially now when it's the the multiverse has opened up and there's all these different worlds why not go a bit a bit crazy and have different directors come in and share their different visions and and well maybe literally in some cases <laughs> visions of character um but yeah i think they they should they should all feel a bit different and all be a bit strange yeah so yeah i i enjoyed it 
What else yeah. do we have for off-topics? Ash, we don't hear much from you. I'm sure you've been off-topic for months. Mate. Uh, well, I mean, off-topic. I mean, to really put it in perspective as to how often I appear on the podcast, I've had a child since I was last on the podcast. So, And how many children did you have in the time true. before that? <laughs> just that's just so every time there's a podcast, he's popped one out since. <laughs> I think that's it's just I can't appear on the podcast until I've had an expansion to my family in some way. I think... Just, you know, when you, you hang out with friends, you don't talk all that often, you go, oh, God, I need something to talk about. I just have a quick kid and then jump on the podcast. And uh, excellent. To talk about. <laughs> a quick a kid. <laughs> Here's my icebreaker. Yeah, I know. Oh, guess what I do? I breed. I've got a little boy now. His name's Avery, and he's fantastic. So I very much look forward to... Uh, being able to pit my children against each other in uh, Mortal Kombat and Mario Kart, both the great MK games. My daughter actually <laughs> won her first game of Mario Kart unassisted the other day, which was fantastic. Ooh, yeah. what a milestone. Mm, and don't get me wrong, it's Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, so it still has like, you know, auto steer and stuff like that. But I wasn't helping her steer. I wasn't firing off her green shells. I just let her do it. And she did it. She beat her cousins who are older than her. And they had the same restrictions. So it's either a fantastic Proud fluke moment. or she is a gaming progeny and I just need to get her onto the Fortnite train as soon as possible. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Fall Guys is going free to play soon. That. Maybe it's she actually, can, like, dominate there. Maybe get her on the Fortnite train because Nathan's always looking for people to play Battle Royale with. <laughs> this is true. I just installed Fortnite a week ago as well. I'm trying to find the Battle Royale that's going to tick my boxes. Fortnite's great. Fortnite's in such a good place at the moment. Mm. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I've heard that the no-build version is absolutely blowing up. Apparently, the biggest problem with Fortnite was the forts. That was my issue. It's definitely its key identifying factor, but it made it very inaccessible. I yeah. played a lot during the big Marvel season, and I, I said to a friend of mine, I said, the most irritating thing was getting the drop on somebody, and they immediately deployed. Build themselves out of it. Yeah, they immediately deploy yeah. like Fort Knox, and you're like, oh, whatever. You just you just walk away. Yeah, that's you can exactly live how it feels. You walk because you know you've lost that battle. You know you've got the <laughs> yep. ability to take him out in a quick, swift headshot. But mate, they've just put four walls between you and them. That conversation's over. Not only some four the, walls, but sixteen stories. Some of the buildings, like I fight people and they deploy the Sistine Chapel. And I'm like, come on, man, stop! And he's just like, no, Buckingham Palace, come at me, bro. And I was like, just you know what? It's Marvel stuff. Wolverine is over there. I'm going to go fight him, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, that was absolutely terrific. I'm so keen to see Ash Whaling's future, what, battle royale within his own home as the stallion keeps on moving forward, (laughs) popping out child after child. He's going to have his own, yeah, BR. This is great. My gaming brood will grow. (laughs) (laughs) Why did it come out so weird? I didn't think it was only weird too. So it was. It wasn't weird too. So it was weird. Jordan, off topic. Uh, Playing much Clank too. Of course, every day. Um, sort of, kind of off topic. I forgot to mention it, but uh, during the news, but it looks like uh, Temtem is going to be releasing officially soon. This was the Pokemon-like indie game. Yes. Is uh, that the one with the guns? No, you're thinking of Tamarin. Okay, sorry, my bad. Um, But yeah, because about a month ago it hit 0.9, which, you know, that's the one major update before. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, 
but in terms of off topic, I've just been uh, I rewatched The Office, realized hot uh, hot take. Uh, I cannot stand Michael Scott. That's part um, of, of the point. I thought. Is it a hot? <laughs> take? Everyone, yeah. everyone that I know is like he's supposed to be lovable. I'm like I picture myself working for him and going, I want to punch myself in the face. That's the desired outcome, I think, I, for I the thought, office, especially so in season one. He's oh lovable compared Lord. to his British equivalent, Michael Brent. Yes. Oh yep. yeah. Okay. I'll get behind that. That's yep. yeah. That's the brief. Basically, they did season one of The Office, and they went, okay. As good as this is, we need to make Michael somewhat sympathetic. Otherwise, people are going to want to murder an, like a fictional character. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Like um, and I've been re-watching The Good Place as well, and I've, I've forgotten what a good show that is. I've been meaning to get on that. How is it still going? Is there several seasons? No, no, no. It, it finished, finished a couple in 2019, ago. I think. Ah, mm, yeah. my favorite kind of show. Mm, one I don't have to wait for. I can just shotgun yeah. it like chips but it's it's not a long show but like it's just it's such a nice show and it's very thoughtfully written yeah i'll have to give it a go it's like like asha it's been on my radar for the longest time so eventually i'll get to it yeah i, I very much enjoyed it as well just mm. as a very quick callback i've just quickly googled temtem because i remember seeing it a long time ago wow that game's looking good no so. damn right it's pretty, it's also, pretty the fun. designs are really neat. Yeah. yeah, they are very cool. Digging it. Well, Adam, what have you been up to? Look, not not a great deal. I now that we're down in Hobart, don't get to play board games as much, so I have to trek back up north to my to see my Launceston folk to play board games, which I did. Uh, this weekend just gone. Oh, like making five-hour trips just for five-hour games. Mate, I'll do it. Absolutely. Because I had uh, Cosmic Encounter to play for the first time, which was Ooh. Nathan. Nathan, it was a Hilarious. fucking blast. Isn't it? It was wonderful. It So the whole game I was, I was, you know, not doing particularly well. And then on the very last turn, I snuck in on a deal. Yep that the, the person I was playing with didn't realize was going to make it a draw between him and I. So I snuck out mm. a, a collective win and it was wonderful. Um, so I played that, had an absolute blast of a time, played a whole shitload of Skull because you can knock a, a game out of in like 20 minutes. Um, and we also played something that you'd be minorly interested in, I'd say, is a game called Four Gardens, uh, which has a lovely little component of a, a, a spinning pagoda in the middle and it's a... Uh, resource management game it's it has a great board presence and is just a good bit of fun uh and played some root which is always always a good time yes so that's been my notable things that have happened in the week is just playing a shitload of board games it's a remarkable good lineup and this uh this four gardens is not one i've seen before this has quite the table presence it's yeah it's it's a fairly standard like resource management game but it has yeah, it has some really cool components, and it's very chill while also being a little bit backstabby, which is my favorite kind of game. Mate, the pagoda is so cool in that game. I'm looking at it right now. It, it's that's neat. I like yeah, games. It's excellent. Stuff. Yeah, if you're a if you're a fan of the the tabletop persuasion, then I'd recommend giving Four Gardens a look at, even just to to have a have a peruse of its visuals it's worth it for sure see now that looks lovely well I'll, I'll be very i'll be oh so brief uh my off topics is i have reached the final season of the sopranos so a bit of classic hey. prestige television about italian-american gangsters trying to 
live in the twilight of, I guess, the mafia culture in New Jersey. And I, look, I'm loving it. I think I've, I've, I'm watching it at the time in my life where I have enough cultural appreciation to enjoy both the very specific dark humor involved and a lot of the events that are defining uh, the characters in that show because it's it was I think from sort of the late 90s early 2000s so mm. loving that uh, had then also I think I can't don't think I've watched much oh yeah uh, just to keep buddy happy uh, I think I'm about halfway through the first season of F1 Drive to Survive on Netflix. I do not engage or watch in any kind of sport, motorsport or otherwise, but this is one I can really get into. I mean, It's interesting, it, I think... isn't it? Have you watched it, Ash? I, I haven't seen a lot of it, but my wife's been watching it. It's one of those things that whenever my wife's watching something, if I can enter one side of the land room and then walk straight out the other side without stopping to care about what's on TV, it's not interesting. But no. I keep pausing for five or ten minutes blocks because mm-hmm. it's quite interesting. And like They introduce like young drivers and talk about like what they're like and see them sort of coming to terms and drive it's it i I think that the the thing that i just cannot get over is the level of editing is so good in so much as what is what i would consider subject matter that has the subject matter has not changed i've never been interested in formula one yeah but the way that they go from on the circuit to the in-country home life of a driver to the in-room team dynamic of them with their other with their driving associate and their team, it all sounds pretty shit on paper. But the music, the brilliant cinematography, the cutting in between these different scenes of a of a character, they they paint you. these yeah yeah they, these drivers aren't aren't sportsmen, they're characters with a very specific context, and I love that. I love that I don't need to get invested in you know forty different teams or you know three different leagues. It's just Here's 20 characters we're going to give to you over the course of a season. We're not even going to give you the popular ones, your Lewis Hamiltons and that. You already know no. who they are. You don't need to know Formula 1 to know that you we're going to, to meet underdogs. Yeah, you get to meet a Korean kid in his 20s who swears too much. And yeah. He only or, speaks English, but he can swear like a sailor. Or you've got uh, Daniel Ricciardo from Perth, Australia, who is like one of the upcoming yeah. champions who just randomly will sing about, you know, scratching his balls and stuff like that. And <laughs> it is just like unscripted. But, you know, I, I'm really digging this in so much as it's a very character drama focused and a lot of thrill involved in its editing. Uh, and then otherwise, I think, yeah, the only other big thing I'll mention is uh, because we're all hip hop heads here, Kendrick Lamar has released Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers, his first big release in, I think, Four years or so. It's been. Oh, it's good. 2017 was it? No. Uh, damn. Yeah, I think Damn came out in like 2017. Mm. So I think this is this is yeah been a fair few years, four or five years, and yeah, it's a, it's a good good little project somewhere in between to pimp a butterfly and Damn. So it's definitely one of those albums that you need to listen to from start to finish. If you try picking songs out of the track list, you're not going to have the context of the story that's come before and after. I miss so albums like, like that as much. Yeah, it's, I miss it's, albums it's a, that are designed to start and finish. Absolutely, it's yeah. it's it's not quite a concept album, but this album has very much got a storyline. It's got a beginning, middle, and end, and if you don't listen to it at the start, you're not going to get what's happening in the middle. So that's really neat. And I think my three friendly companions, Sans Sack, and therefore also Sans, our shitty '90s movie discourse that we will eagerly anticipate when he returns next week. I think we bring this <laughs> week to a wrap. How do we feel? Sounds like a plan. Sounds pretty good. I dig it like a grave. Well, let's say that we say goodbye, Ash. (laughs) Till till next time. Till next child. Until next you call upon me. Maybe Mortal Kombat 12 will get announced. Ash the Stallion. (laughs) Best of luck with the procreating, mate. See you next time.
Until next time. Oh, and to the other listeners, also farewell. <laughs> oh yeah, Bye. them too. Yeah. Bye guys. Ha <laughs> ha.